Hello, I'm Lynn Franks and welcome to Frankly Speaking with Lynn Franks and Friends. In today's episode, I am joined by my friend, the extraordinarily brave Afra Hashem, a Syrian women activist, community leader, human rights defender, teacher and mother. This is her story. Before we begin with today's episode, however, I'm going to give a trigger and content warning. This episode does contain descriptions of violence, sexual harassment and traumatic events that some people may find disturbing. Today, I am really honoured to have a very good friend of mine who I haven't spoken to for a little while, Afra Hashem with me on this podcast. It is truly an honor. Afra, welcome, welcome. So I was just remembering the first time we met, seemed well, the, la- the only time we met actually in person, um, was March the 8th, was International Women's Day 2020. I thought it was 2019, 2020. You know, the, the, all this COVID thing, the years just flow. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we were, you came down to visit me in this funny little town I live in, Wincanton, in Somerset, because every year on International Women's Day, pre-COVID, we would always have a very special women's-themed film that we would show. And we decided we wanted to show for summer the film which you are featured in, made by your very good friend, Waid Waid Al-Katiab. And um, we were so fortunate through somebody who knew somebody who knew your producer to tell us that you were over just really for the film because you were over as part of the award ceremony, the BAFTA award the movie got, and you were there as part of the group receiving the award from Prince William and you just come temporarily and then you got stuck here (laughs) and now you're here. And you came down and you told your story to the women who were, women and the men who were here that night who saw the movie with us, which is a very harrowing movie. I have to say, award-winning all over the world. I've just been checking out since I saw you how many awards for summer has won. Um, and it, of course, told the story of Wade, your friend, uh, through her eyes and through her camera, of the uh, story of Aleppo, <laughs> where you lived. So let's um, talk about your stories particularly, because you have been a women leader in your community well, forever, probably, I'm sure you were a teacher. Tell me about your story, let's say, back in Aleppo, when it, all the trouble started. Uh, my name, hello, everyone. My name is Afra Hashem. I was born and raised in Aleppo city in Syria, which is the city in the northern uh, Syria. Uh, until the forcibly displacement in, the, in, the, in late uh, of December uh, 2016. Before the revolution, I was a teacher and mother of two uh, sons. I like my nor- my my normal life. I I was spending all my time in uh, with uh, with children and with students in my school, and then uh, and besides my 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 children were were with me uh, even in uh, in my school too. So when the revolution started and the peaceful uh, movement started, I joined to these uh, groups uh, because I believe in freedom, dignity, social justice, and liberty. And then uh, I chose to become an activist. So I had to strike a balance between my duties and an activist and my responsibilities as a mother. When uh, uh, in 2012, 
then the, uh, the Syrian regime started to use weapon, uh, gun to defeat us uh, in the peaceful movement. And then after from two, uh, 2011, 2016, uh, sorry, 2012, uh, we were just uh, participated in uh, peaceful movement. In uh, July 2012, Free Syrian Army started to to appear and uh, to control with uh, half of Aleppo. So I was being uh, arrested in, in September 2012. And then I moved to live in this rebel zone because I don't want to be arrested again. So in when I, I stayed here, I discovered that all the schools uh, were completely closed and the students are dropping out of school. So in that time, I decided to open the first school in my neighborhood, and and it was uh, a normal building because the schools were completely destroyed, bombed. So I started from school contained from I, I remember that uh, 150 students, and then this school became a series of schools. Uh, of course, I wasn't alone. I have a team, um, my sister, my husband, my friends. And then these schools became five schools and five centers uh, for psychological support for the children and even five centers for empowerment for uh, the women in my city. Uh, that's incredible. I never knew this. You never told me this. This is yeah. unbelievable. Well, so it is believable. You're I became later a member of the local council in the Ripple lo local council in my, in my city and became somehow uh, famous in my community. Uh, because uh, as a, a leader woman, and what uh, we we were friends in 2013, we became friends. With Wyatt, you're talking. Wyatt, yeah, Wyatt, yeah, sorry, yeah. And she she was just planning to make a report about uh, empowerment, uh, women, empower women, and then she. Uh, she took footage and some videos and then and she started on her phone didn't she she was filming yeah yeah at that time in 2013 she was have a camera but before okay. that she was yeah she was having a phone and day by day we became very close friends and she used to film me from 2014 2016 my daily life with my my family my little daughter and my my two sons and in, even in the shops, in the streets. Uh, so in that time, we didn't expect that we're going to make these this, uh, vid uh, videos like uh, film. We just want to document every moment. And she wanted to document her daily life. Even after the displacement, she, did, she told me that I'm thinking of making a film. I told her, yeah, you have to do that because we don't want our story to be uh, disappeared. And then she told me, I'm going to make a film about you and your family. I told her, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you have to uh, to document yours. And, and would you have thought this film, it's won an Emmy, a BAFTA, it's won Absolutely. a Cannes yeah. Film Festival. <laughs> it's incredible. There <laughs> you were in your yeah. world in Aleppo, just surviving every day and creating yeah. these fantastic <laughs> situations for children and women's empowerment. And this movie gets made in the basements and the ruins of the city that has gone out around the world. How important is storytelling? After that, when she started to make the film, I thought that, yes, someone should listen, should, should hear, uh, hear my, my our voice. 
uh, our real story. Maybe we can save the rest. But after the the first uh, screen of the film, and I I received a lot of messages that a lot of people didn't know about our our story, our case. So they became very sorry and they want to, to support us. In that time, I was suffering from depression because after the forcible displacement. And I was very guilty in that time because why I survived and my family, could, my, my friends couldn't. Why am I still alive and my friends couldn't? So that's the feeling of guilty, not me. Most of, of, of the survivors had the same feeling. You continued yeah. on as a woman leader run, um, running these schools and with your team doing incredible things for the community. You yeah. got arrested a second time. And yeah. like all the women that got arrested, you suffered uh, abuse by the soldiers. Of the yeah, Union. most of them, yeah, suffered from sexual harassment or abuse. And even the, from hitting the, the psychological... Uh, yeah, the psychological is, effects, yes. Uh, is, and, and you had a miscarriage at that time as well. Yeah, yeah. That time I couldn't speak about my experience. Because you know that our our society somehow I don't know the victim blame no I don't mean no, that but it's, it's blaming the women yeah it's, but it is, not, it's a victim blame some so. people blame and I heard some notes some comments that you have to be at your home you have to look after your children and this is not your work I heard that hundred times but my husband was very supporter. And he told me that we are doing very well and we are doing what we believe in. So don't uh, just ignore them. Yeah, but and you were telling me the second story, the second time you got arrested, um, they let you I was, your house. I was pregnant with Naya. First time mm. in the beginning of 2011, uh, I was uh, pregnant, but I lost my baby because they hitting me. And then second time, it was in 2012, it was in uh, September. Yeah. And I was pregnant with my little daughter, Naya. Uh, I to- I had the, the bad experience, previous experience, because I know that I lost my baby because of the hitting. I told them all the time, please don't hit me in my tummy. I'm pregnant, please. I was begging them. But uh, when they... When I asked them to give me my phone to call my husband to tell him, because I was in when I was arrested, I was in you know the bus transportation uh, with my friend, and then they told me uh, that, uh, they stopped the bus, the bus, and the soldiers come to the bus and give uh, ask everyone to give him their ID, and when I gave them my ID, they they put the weapons in my in my pack and they told me get out of the bus, we want you. And then they stopped a civilian car. I remember it was uh, Kia white, the color, it was white. And they take it from the driver, the owner, and they put me in the, this car and they just hitting me. And they, I suddenly, I, I don't know where we took me. And then when I arrived to... <laughs> The center, they told me that uh, you are a terrorist and uh, you you we you are uh, supporting the enemy because you are working as a nurse in the hospital. So because I I was working in field hospital, I was arrested. 
So I told them, no, I didn't do that. I am normal woman. I just, I was going to, to buy uh, fruit and vegetables from shops to come back to my home. I don't work that. And then uh, they took me to, to a small room and put something in my eyes and start asking me questions about how my life, my family, members of my family. And then I mentioned my husband, please give me my phone just to let him know where I am because he thinking that I was going to another place and now he will get bored about me. And they told me, yeah, madam, you can take your phone, give her her phone, call him. I, when I spoke to my husband, I told him that I am, and they mentioned the place. I am in this place and you can come. They took me from, it is a place in my uh, my city. You can talk, uh, go to uh, to there to, to come to, uh, to see me. And then my husband, uh, he was in his job. He talk, they talked me from my phone and 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 then cut the line and they told me yeah we want him to come because we want to arrest him with you. Oh my god. Yeah. And suddenly after one hour, I heard my my husband's voice and my friends, my friend who was she, she was with me beside me in the bus. They took both of them and they told them we are uh, we are we want to arrest you to just uh, tell everything about Afra, and then you we're gonna be released. So they gave uh, to my friend uh, gave her uh, like list that I am doing <laughs> tourist things, and you have to uh, to sign and say, yeah, this is Afra. She's doing like this. In that time, I was, uh, my family knew that I was arrested, me and my husband, and it was very horrible to my family because I am a woman, first of all. And they heard from the previous uh, stories what's going on for the women to be got, uh, to be raped or anything. And you know that. So they were, were planning to pay money in the same time to, to get us released. And then... Uh, I was begging the the officer. I want to say everything you want to do to me to say, but just give it my friend to be released because she's her family will be worried about her, and she's single. And it's, in our society, is very it's ha- very hard to woman married woman how how is for single woman. So I was begging him all the time. And then she, we, we, we got released after that, but I was uh, suffering from, from pain in my tummy because I, uh, fr- from hitting. So my husband took me to, uh, hospitals and the doctor told me that you will lose your baby. So I went to Turkey uh, and my family received me and the journey from regime control to safe control. It, was very horrible because you all the time we were afraid we're gonna be arrested again after we are released. So three hours, I remember them. My children, my two sons were with me, and my husband, and even this my friend with me and my sister. All the time, just we want to re-arrive to reach to the safe area 
uh, to not be uh, arrested again. Not the longest three hours of your life, I'm sure. Yeah. And when when I arrived, um, I remember that the this is our culture. First thing I heard from the community, they were blaming me. You are the reason of that. Oh, my God. Your husband lost his job. Uh, because of you and you you don't have to go to participate in this uh, peaceful movement and even you don't have to work in uh, in hospitals as a nurse you have to look after at your son and you are like you know like selfish you are you don't care about your your son was this men and women saying this yeah men and women unbelievable Yeah, and then I went to Turkey to take my medicine and treatment. And then my husband came back, came back to Rebel Zone, to Aleppo, for two, uh, for two months. And then when he came to be, visited me, I begged him, please, I want to go with you. I don't want to leave here. And he told me, yeah, I'm coming to take you with me because I know you can't stand this. And then we, when first time I arrived, The you went back into Aleppo? Aleppo, but my my neighborhood, but it was like, how can I explain? Like piece of cake. This is a rebel zone and this is under the regime control. But my my neighborhood was uh, under the rebel control. So I went to this place and I discovered that all the school was Uh, being bumped all the time this time uh, this month and so there's there all were no schools yeah and no no education so i told my husband i don't want to be like this doing nothing and even in this place we can't just practice in peaceful movement because nothing will change but just to do this so and all the world why we're watching us and doing nothing so we have to make something alternative I started with the idea of the school. I remember that there was a school bombed, and but, but there were snipers, not just one sniper, very close to this school. But I had to enter this school to take off the books. So I was pregnant, and I was I made like a hole uh, between two buildings, two schools. Not uh, me and there were my friends were with me. And I was to escape, <laughs> I had to escape this hall to collect all these books. My goodness me. And take them. And it was, <laughs> I remember that a lot of raids <laughs> around me <laughs> and was scared. You are such a warrior. You are a warrior woman, really. And so, the sniper so you was went through this hole with the snipers to get the books to bring back to start the school again, which you'd already done once and it had been destroyed by the regime. Yeah. I had to do that for a week, every day, every day. Oh my god! On your own, or you had yeah. help? Yeah. Uh, just I was the only woman, and then when my sister arrived uh, after that a month, she started to uh, we started to cooperate together, and we. We do. We did all of that together, uh, and then this school became very famous, and the people started to uh, to open their schools in their neighborhoods, and then we this school became five schools. In 2014, we started to study me and my sister to study uh, psychological support. 
Why? Because there is no specialized in the whole city. If and all the people, uh, all the children, uh, the people, but especially children, were suffering from nightmares and from loneliness, of from course, you know, fear. Yeah, they must the fear. They lost their parents. So we can't, we can't stop this uh, war planes. Because you have the sound every day of the drones, isn't it? Like yeah, the every all day, the all the day, all the day. Oh. So we started to make, uh, to attend uh, online training and then uh, we we integrate this training with our uh, education course to make is uh, psychosocial support through uh, drawing playing and psychodrama and then i established the first uh, uh, team or theater team from my my students and we started to make uh, plays, uh, drama. And All then... in the war zone, in the rubble with the yeah, children. Yeah, in the rubble. Incredible. And some of this is in the film, isn't it? A little bit of it? Or is it yeah, not? yeah. A little bit of it was in the film. We, we were waiting all the time for the ceasefire to make an activity uh, to plant hope uh, inside our students' uh, hearts. Because, you know, they, they have no places to, to go. Uh, nothing to entertain them. There's no TV, no electricity, no internet, nothing. Not, no. So you have to make something else to ca- come back, flashback to the previous... Uh, to their happy times. Yeah, yeah. So. And how old were the children? All ages? No. Or? Uh, from, all, uh, from 9 to 14. And then uh, I lost the first uh, student. Uh, who was hero, really hero. His name is Kusai. Uh, he was fourteen. Oh. And two. And last year, I I lost another student. Yeah. Who was still? Who's still there? Who was still? They were there? hero. They 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 always dream to be actor, famous actors, famous actors, and unfortunately. And they they stayed in Syria, had they? Yeah. I'm so sorry. So sorry. But presumably some of the children came out yeah. from Syria. Some of them came out and the some of them now I'm I'm uh I recommunicate with my students that I can I could reach them and made like groups to teach them English online uh, through Zoom. And now I have two groups for uh, three groups for children and three for adults uh, of, of, from the families that you were working with back in Aleppo yeah, yeah someone some of them uh, in the ca- Syrian camps and some some of them are uh, uh, in uh, Turkey and some of them in Greece in Holland oh, everywhere yeah. so we <laughs> reunited is, we don't we don't get to hit this is incredible so let's just go back so you at this point, we're all because I've seen the movie. Obviously, you were on that last bus, on that last group of people that left Aleppo when you could. Yeah, yeah. You, you left um, Waid and her family left because her husband yeah. was a doctor that was running the last hospital. You and your family left, and you all came over to Turkey. Is that? Yeah. yeah. Um, when I uh, I arrived to Turkey in 2017, but I was working in Syria, so my my children. My family in in Gaziantep in in, in Turkey, but I was uh, moving between. So, Syria you were going and backwards and forwards all the time. 
all the time. Okay, yeah, to Syria from Turkey. Yeah, because I this is my job, and this is what I I found a job uh, to stay uh, remotely in Turkey, but I didn't I didn't like it. And what and from the conversation we had before. The the Syrian refugees, which you had become at that point, were not really welcome in Turkey. I mean, yeah. it was very difficult, from yeah. what I understand, to find homes, to find jobs. I mean, you're not you haven't been welcome yeah. in many countries. This my own and country, that's where, the UK that's included. Why, uh, that was the reason why I chose to come to London, to UK, because I want to my my family, my children, to live a stable life. Uh, we are. But not, you were here first. You came over yeah. when the promotion of the film was happening, and then. Then I make the family. Yeah, I will take that about that. And then how how the children, your husband and the children didn't come over for another six months or so? I remember. Uh, Ten months. Ten months must have been hell. Yeah. You've had lots of hell. I I was with Wada and Hamza living in the same house. Uh, And then the pandemic and the lockdown started. That's why we take this long time. But our case was very clear because I just, during uh, a month and a half, I guaranteed my asylum. uh, And it was exceptional (laughs) asylum. I don't know all my friends. You had a lot of people working very hard for you. I know. And uh, and you've got your asylum, which is thank goodness. And and I've been following your story on social media because you post. And in fact, anybody who watches this can follow Afra's story. She's always posting on Instagram. And uh, I saw when your family came and we were in contact and your husband, how happy you were (laughs) and the children. And now the children are at British schools. Uh, How long long have they been here now? A year? Uh, No, just uh, six months. Uh, they arrived in November, November 2020. And and how have they adapted to being here? Uh, now they started to have friends, uh, and you know they. I tell I taught them English, but you know they need practice more and more. And Naya, she's very young. <laughs> now how old she is became, Naya? She turned eight. But oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And when she started school first time, she was crying all the time. I don't want to go. I I don't know. I don't know how to communicate with uh, the people. I don't have friends. I don't understand everything they speak all the time. And then every day, she when she come back from uh, from school, she told me this is the first day ever. <laughs> every day, first day ever. <laughs> Oh, lovely. <laughs> and the boys, how old are the boys now? Both of them uh, are doing well. Uh, Zayn received uh, several times report that he's a good, he's doing good. And how old is well, he? About 14? He's, he's 15. 15. And Wissam is 16. Uh, Wissam uh, in secondary school, then in the year 10. Year 10. And uh, they like art. They are a good drawer. <laughs> Your husband's they, an artist as well. Yeah, my husband too. And he's a calligrapher, so you can see. <laughs> yeah, I can see. Yeah. Beautiful. So the family are here for now. Life yeah. has changed enormously, but you are still a warrior, will always be a warrior, will always be a woman yeah. leader. I started life, my M.R. Uh, master in uh, Hull University. Um, I'm You're doing your master in Hull University in yeah about education. She sold uh, teaching English. Uh, and where are you? You're living in London, though. Yeah, but it's online because uh, lockdown. Everything's online. Yeah, <laughs> so Hopefully I wanted so to. to I wanted to take this <laughs> this period to study, and uh, it's just one year. So at the end of this year, I will. 
finger crossed will be graduated. You'll have your <laughs> That's amazing, amazing. And you're still, as you say, teaching the young Online. people that you were working with in Syria who are now yeah. all over the world on Zoom. And yeah, working... and I um, I had a lot of volunteers doing that, uh, from, uh, British or American or Syrian. They are doing that voluntary. I really appreciate they they work and their offer to support these uh, people who are really need. I I know that is uh, nothing, but we have to do something. It's not that's nothing. That that means that every don't say that what should I do what can I do you can do if I, if you can figure out according to your uh, situation you you can do anything to support uh, the people who are in danger and in need uh, I use my Instagram to to shed light on um, and my Facebook to the 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 reality uh, in my Syria I was lucky to survive. Uh, but there are a lot, million of people who couldn't. Uh, now we are almost more than uh, eight million refugees spreading all uh, around the world, and some of us threatened to be to be sent again uh, to the country like happening in Denmark now. So I want to say that we didn't choose to be refugee. We want to be in our own house, our own country, our own heritage, but we can't because we're going to be arrested. So we are not here as tourists. We are seeking for stability, peace to starting. As you see that I, during one year here, I could find my way to, to start, to study, for example, and then maybe after a year, I can work in this country and and can support this country who guaranteed my asylum and, and support me. So just give these people a chance to do something. Don't send them to their uh, send them back to their country they, because they're going to be victims. They're going to be arrested. And I don't think that any of us, of us can stand this to be responsible of these victims. Uh, I, I'm speaking to the government. You couldn't stop this war for 10 years. So don't push these people to come back to their country. It's terrible. Don't I let mean, them down. Yes, and, I, and I'm not proud of Britain not bringing in more displaced Syrians into this country, which they should have done. So let's just stay with you and then we're going to talk about what we can do. So your future is you're doing this MA, your children are settled in school. Of course, your wish would be to go back to your country, but not now, not until the regime changes, because you will face certain arrest and whatever comes with that. So I know that you uh, you told me you're speaking on a lot of panels now. You've become a spokesperson. As I said, you will always be a warrior and you will always be there as a fighter. And so you're now speaking wherever you can on stories on uh, telling your stories on panels um on podcasts i'm sure like mine and i'm so, so pleased to have you here as my friend to talk to about this terrible situation that's happened and um you're doing what you can online how do you stay positive you talked earlier about how you got depressed how you felt guilty that you had survived and so many of your friends hadn't survived how did you come out of that depression how did you get back to knowing that you have a purpose and your purpose is to be this this incredible leader that you are because i always used to be hope, full of hope 
So I know that sometimes I and even now you can you our our mood is up down up down. You you some some sometimes you you feel that you achieve something, and a day you you feel that you are uh, worthless. So it's but I can't give up because I have my friends my family. Uh, who are still in need uh, to my support. So I have to do anything. If I lost Tahoe, what about the detainees in the in the prison in Syria? Now we have more than 200,000 detainees in the Syrian prisons. And how uh, many are, of those are women? Do you know? More, uh, I, I don't have the many. normal, the right numbers, but it's are more than 200,000 of detainees. They are re- waiting for their freedom. Yeah. So they, 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 I, I'm sure most of them maybe lost the hope and maybe they, they, they died. And most of them, they still have the hope and they are waiting us to support him, to release him. So I always, we have a hope uh, because I don't want that Syrian regime to me that I am weak. I'm not weak. I survived a lot from your bomb, from your arrest, from everything, from your terrorists. And I, I will always be as I long as alive, defender of all the people's rights. Yes, you will. And you will be alive many, 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 many years. But you have much work still to do, wherever that may be. And uh, anyway, I, 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 I feel, as I said, started off saying, I feel very humble. And I feel very fortunate that, you know, we, we're so spoiled in this country. We have no idea, no idea of the suffering that so many of you, or the difficulties, the challenges on a daily basis that you went through and survived and are here. And uh, I guess the question for me is, what can we do to help? What can the people that listen to this podcast, what can the people in my seed community, what can I do? What 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 is yeah. helpful? Actually, I uh, beside my uh, anything we can, uh, uh, my, my private uh, job or any activities, I'm working with Action for Sama campaign. You can visit our uh, website, www.actionforsama.com. You can con- uh, contribute with any kind of help you want, you prefer. I think uh, this campaign just uh, shedding light on the, uh, the bombing hospital and make some campaigns or even, even donation to support the hospital field, the healthcare field. Um. One of my plans, I don't know how, was to really help the women, the Syrian women who are still in the camps, because there clearly needs to be yeah. uh, a lot of help, they, economic yeah. help that they need. And, and if you uh, want, I can reach the, you to some of them. And if you can, I can be translated. I, can I think it would be very good for us to, I would really, really, really like yeah. to do that. We can work together and we, uh, if they have a phone and we can talk to them and we can, I mean, the other thing is that um, we had, in fact, the night you were here, we had some knitwear made by some of the women in the camps in Istanbul that we were selling in our shop, that they'd made simple hats. and some, um, It's complicated. It's not that easy because they have to get the wool and then we have to bring them over here. I know it's not an easy situation, but maybe we can come up with an idea between us and with the friends we have 
that can help economically the women who really need to create some kind of income to feed the children. Yeah. Whether we get them to do, you know, even scarves from the, or anything, jewelry. Yeah, yeah. I remember you had, I still have the, the Syria badge that you gave me, something. We need to come up with an idea. If you, the two of us can't, can't come up with an idea, I don't know who can. And we will talk off this podcast about that and then we will come back to the community who are watching this those of you who listen or to this podcast or watch it on video on youtube um please get in touch we'll put all the details how to apart from the website that already afra has given you the details of um if you'd like to be part of what we can do seed for syria let's say let's start seed for syria i've wanted to do it for so many years you know, I told you I was in Greece, I think, three years ago, and I met some of the Syrian women refugees there who'd come over on the, by water to Greece on their own with their children. We couldn't even speak the same language, but there was such love between us. And I think that's... Still communicate. <laughs> yes. I mean, women have this way, even when we can't speak, I think women and men, but particularly women, have this way of connecting through the eyes, through the heart, feeling the love and what we can be there and do for each other. And that's means a lot for us. Uh, thank you so much for your well, support. You have yeah. complete support. I, I, the injustice makes me just want to sob. But sitting here crying doesn't help anybody. We have to have action. We have to have hope. We all have to be warriors. And I know people listening to this podcast will want to say, what can I do? What can I do? <laughs> you know, I know that because... We can create change. It will be by women. It will be in the grass at the grassroots level, and it will be conversations telling us or listening to your stories, hearing the voices that need to be heard, as you said. Which is why the the film, that why its film was just so so important. But these conversations are also so important. I want to mention something. Maybe you you will laugh. You gave me your coat, the red one. I've thought about you in that red coat. I gave, for those of you listening, I, I had a beautiful red suede coat I never wore. Yeah, and you, you told that me coat. that it's, uh, when you wear, wear it, you, you will feel that I'm seen. And every time I wear it, uh, I'm seen, like Lenson. You're seen. You are seen. That's, that was, it was so you. That coat was so meant to be for you. So I'm so glad you, you still so wear much. it. It was useful. <laughs> So now you've heard Afra's harrowing story, how she and so many of her friends and so many members of her community have been displaced, how some have not made it out of Syria, how many millions and millions of Syrian families are now living away from their home. I asked her in the interview what kept her going, and she said, hope, hope as a mother, Hope is a teacher and hope is a community leader. So I'd like you to think perhaps of some of the issues you're struggling with right now. Have a quiet moment, maybe write simple one-liners down about your biggest challenges and then fill your body with hope. Perhaps do a meditation, go into nature and really step into that space of positive feeling. If Afra can do what she's done and still doing, still teaching young Syrians all over the world, doing a degree, taking care of her family and adjusting to a very different life here in the UK, then we can certainly do it in our communities too. If you are interested in supporting Afra's activities, please visit www 
dot action for summer for summer is f-o-r-s-a-m-a dot com or helprefugees.org and find out what you can do to support some of these many wonderful displaced people who are here not through any fault of their own and how we can really support them in their journey. Thank you so much for listening. Life is not always easy, wherever you are. But I believe that by women hearing each other's stories and coming together in community, we can make a positive difference. So I hope you've been inspired to action. Please do subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it. And also make sure, if you haven't already, to join our Seed Network, where together with thousands of like-minded women, you will make friends, you can promote your business, be inspired and share your stories. Visit seednetwork.com to find out more. See you next time on Frankly Speaking with Lynn Franks and Friends. Bye.